morning, good morning. No, he's not Pastor Ross. I know you were thinking it. You were thinking it. What? He's, he was just up there. I thought we fixed him. No, not so, not so much. Pastor Ross is, uh, is taking a sabbatical for a few weeks. He does this every summer, just kind of recharge, get ready for our, get ready for the fall and the big push. And, and uh, those of you who are close to Ross or close to ministry, you know ministry takes a lot out of you. And so I, I think it's awesome that, that Momentum Church is in a place where we can allow our pastor to take a break and just get with God and recharge and just kind of refresh his vision for the upcoming, you know, season. And that's an awesome thing. So uh, today, it's me. <laughs> hey, what? Stop. I swear, Ross, I told him to stop. We're going, we are starting a new, our new uh, series today as Pastor Ross gave us the intro there. Get to hear a little bit of his voice even though he wasn't here. But we're talking through the book of Ephesians, the entire book of Ephesians. Everybody ready for this one? Yes, you are. That's why you're so amped and psyched and I'm awesome. <laughs> See how I threw that in there? You're like, you thought I said you were awesome, but it was me the whole time. It's always about me. Pastor Ross has, uh, has given me the, the, the entire chapter of Ephesians 1, and he asked that we do these, uh, these teachings more in a style um, known as expository teaching. How many of you know what that is? Anybody know expository? Any, any theologians or people who have studied a little bit? Yes. Yes, there's different styles of, of sermons. You have your topical, your textual, your expository. And I'm a topical guy. But basically what that is is you get a topic that you're passionate about or that you've been reading about or maybe your favorite book is in, whatever. However that goes, then you, you go to the Bible and you find all the things that talk about that topic and you find those truths and you pull them out and you put them in a nice order and you, you put some stories behind them with some illustrations, maybe a firework or two. This isn't youth, but that's what I would do there. Flash paper, I don't know, exploding something. Uh, you know, and, and, you, and you get your point across. But, and, and that's good for me because I'm, a, I'm an ADD kind of guy. I just Let me just say a bunch of stuff. It's all true. It's all good. Don't worry, it's just a bunch of stuff. <laughs> that sounded really bad. But, uh, but no, but if, with an expository sermon, what you do is you basically take the Scripture top to bottom as is. You don't go anywhere else in the Bible. You don't go anywhere else for, for anything. And so this is a struggle for me because this is very, very linear. This is very A plus B equals C. And those of you who know me, I don't do math. So, <laughs> so that's hard for me. Oh, but man, I believe God's got some good stuff for us. And uh, throughout this series, we're exploring the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians is a great book because it, it covers everything from salvation to service, faith, God, church, everything in between. Uh, it's all found in this book. And uh, it's a letter basically from Paul. Everybody, you know Paul, right? Everybody knows Paul? I hope so. Paul's amazing. It's a letter from him to the church of Ephesus. And, uh, and uh, throughout the entire book, each chapter, the overarching thread that ties it all together is grace. Can everybody say grace? Are you guys happy? Are you guys pleased that grace is something that is afforded to us? Yes? I don't know about you, but I, I, I grew up you know, hearing messages and all this stuff. So I'm talking about grace and and something, something weird happened in my brain. I don't know what happened. Well, I know exactly what happened. When I was little, little town, Rogers, Ohio, nowhere in the world, right? Just nothing. One, one stoplight in the whole town. Whole town. One stoplight. And, uh, and there was a little old lady that came to church every single day. She, like, she, she would get the, see, back in the day, they would do the perfect attendance award. You guys remember that? 
Where's all my old believers? Yeah, perfect attendance award. Like they would recognize the newest mother in church and all those. Yeah, all those kinds of things. Not anymore. We're too way, way too cool for that. <laughs> the little old lady came to church. Her name was Grace. And she was just the frailest, nicest lady. And I got this, I got, the, I, for some reason, I got this, this thing in my head that Grace, for some reason, was this, this feminine, this weak grace thing, graceful. It's how you, it's how you describe a ballet dancer, is graceful. And, and, and we, we kind of lose kind of the majesty of what grace is and the awe and the power of what true grace is. And so I love that we're, that we're going to be going all through Ephesians and talking about it. But we're going to start today in Ephesians 1, verse 1. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you would just use this idiot. <laughs> God, speak through me this morning. Lord, your word is true. Your word is real. Your word is perfect. Lord, there's nothing that I can add to it. God, I pray that you would just open our hearts and open our ears this morning so that we can receive your truth this morning. And everyone says, amen. Amen. The letter starts off like this. It's a greeting from Paul. It says, it starts in verse 1. This letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Jesus Christ. I am writing to God's holy people in Ephesus who are faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Verse 2, may God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. In other words, sup? How you doing? I have to, I have to translate this for everyone. It's my job this morning. He goes on talking, he begins to talk about spiritual blessings in verse 3. This is what he says. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with him in Christ, with, with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Aren't you glad that we serve a God who has a plan? Come on, let me read that again. Even before he made the world, God loved us and God chose us. You are chosen. You are chosen. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what religion you, you may have been through in the past. I don't care what country you may be. I don't care what economic status. You, you are loved and you are chosen. And there is a plan at work. And I love that there's a plan. I need a plan. I'm a person that if there's not a plan, I wind up watching TV all day. But sometimes we forget there's a plan, don't we? See, it's easy for us to look at history or look at the Bible or even look at other people's lives and say, yes, God has a plan. Right? Right? Yes, Corey, it's right. Come on, help me out. <laughs> I'm tired. I'm not joking when I say I'm tired. Can someone give me a nice glass, cold glass of Red Bull? <laughs> like a Mountain Dew chaser? Hot. So it made like a wet, a, a rag. It's like soaked in jolt. I can just suck on that. Wake up. No, we do. We forget. It's easy for us to look into other people's lives and say, yes, God has a plan. Look in, the, in, in a situation in, in a different country. God has a plan. Look in the Bible and things that are happening. God has a plan. But for some reason in our incredible brains, we look into our own life and we think God just freaks out and loses himself. Oh, God just forgot about me. God didn't know about my finances. He has no plan about my children. Oh, Lord, help my children. Help all the children's. Everything's falling apart. The dog just, holy. Dog, I say that because a dog just ripped through my garage yesterday. A hole in the wall. Where's God's plan? Right? We do. 
It gets to our life and we feel like God doesn't know what he's doing and, and we freak out. But let me tell you something. Even in your own life, God does have a plan. So calm down. It's going to be okay. Continuing on in verse 5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gives him great pleasure. Let's stop right there for just a moment. Have you ever stopped to think about what makes God happy? I mean, have you ever stopped to think about that? Like what, what makes God happy? What are the things that actually puts a smile on God's face? Because, you know, sometimes we miss the pleasure that God can receive from us. Because really, when you're looking at the infinite expanse of who he is, we're just, we're children. <laughs> we're babies, right? We're infants. We're childish. And just like children, a lot of times, everything is about me. Everything is about my pleasure. I love my kids to death. <laughs> Emphasis. I do. I love them beyond the understanding of love. And I will sacrifice for my kids. And I do sacrifice for my kids. But all they think about is them. Right? How much, Can I have one more turn on the iPad? When are we going to go do this? When are we going to go play the Xbox? When are we gonna, can I go to Liam's house? Yada, yada, yada. When are we eating? I don't like that food. Make me something new. Yada, yada, yada. It doesn't matter. Have you ever wondered maybe that's what we sound like to God? Oh, fix this person, fix that person, fix this situation, fix that situation. When are you going to do it? Oh. God's up there just, you get what you get and you don't pitch a fit. Right? But no, we bring joy to God. And it's in those sacrifices. Parents, you know what I'm talking about. There are things that we do that it is a genuine sacrifice. It's a genuine sacrifice. A lot of the ways that we live, we sacrifice so that our kids can have maybe what we couldn't have, so that our kids aren't embarrassed in school, so that our kids can achieve something. And don't we, doesn't it just, it just covers up all of that sacrifice and all of that pain and all that hurt. It covers up as soon as we see that child succeed, as soon as you see the smile on that kid's face, as soon as you see that there is a receiving of a reward from our sacrifice, all the joy comes, doesn't it? It's all worth it. It's all worth it. And man, the joy that is in our lives when we get to see that. Man, I will fall on my, my knees a billion times running beside my kid trying to pedal his bike. I mean, I will scrape the mess out of myself. If I get to see him go down the road with a huge smile on his face and the wind in his, in his hair. Because it's worth it. It's worth it. And when you think about the sacrifice that God made for us. For us. The ultimate sacrifice. Why? So that we can benefit. And man, when that plan comes in, that's exactly what happens. And, and it's, it's kind of like that in parenting, where if, if it's sacrifice just for sacrifice's sake, and we lose sight of why we're sacrificing, in a very quick succession of time, joy leaves, doesn't it? If we get to a place where we're not focusing on our, on our children or why we're doing the sacrifice or what the outcome is going to be, it becomes miserable, doesn't it? And we want to put our children on an ice flow and just see you in spring. God's sacrifice is not just for sacrifice's sake. 
It isn't. It is to better our lives. It is to enrich who we are. And when we receive that, and when we begin to grow from that, and when we begin to, 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 to change and mature from that, that brings our Father joy. Everybody say amen. How many of you grew up watching 18? God loves it when the plane comes together. Right? Verse 6. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us. Thank you so much. What? Are you serious? <laughs> it's not Red Bull. <laughs> That's wonderful. <laughs> Good enough. Here we go. It's not kickstart either, just so you, so you know. So we, so we praise God for the glorious grace that he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. Verse 7. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he, that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his, mystery, his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. Let's stop right there. Once again, we are assured that there is a plan. And here in verse 7, we see the first mention of grace in Ephesians. I want to give a quick definition of grace. Grace is the free and unmerited favor of God as manifested in the salvation of sinners and the bestowing of blessings. The free and unmerited favor of God. Everybody say free. Say free. How many of you appreciate free? Yes? Yes? I know I'm free. And I'm talking, I'm talking real free. Free costs you nothing. In fact, there is nothing you can do for free. And when we talk about God's grace being free, we're talking about actual free. We're not talking about sit through a lecture for a timeshare free. Okay, we're talking about real free, free that you don't have to pay for, free that you can't pay for, even if you tried. We see a lot of times uh, church and religion in our history, we, we've gotten that a bit mixed up and we've, we've, we've twisted that a bit and perverted it a bit. And things within the religious culture have, have turned to say, you know, if you would just fix this, if you would just do this, if you would just pray this prayer, if you would just say this thing, if you would stop doing this, if you would start doing this, then God would listen, then God would love, then God would forgive, then God would yada yada, fill in the blank. And that's not how it is, because that's not how it is. His grace is free. But check it out, like any other free thing, it sits there until you pick it up. If I'm walking down the road and there's some crazy man handing out $100 bills and he says free and I walk by, is it his fault that I didn't get $100? And it's not God's fault that you don't accept grace. You don't have to add up to get yourself where God needs you to be. I can't tell you how many times I've heard, oh, I can't go to church. The walls would fall down. That place would erupt in flames. Oh, I got to get this, this, and this again. Then I'll be at church. You know, I really want to be part of what's going on. I just need to get this, this, and this, this fixed. That's not how it works. 
I mean, I'm glad that you have a desire to get your life better, but you know what? Let's get to God first, and you'll see how much easier all those other things will come. Let's get to God first, and you'll see how these other things begin to align themselves. Let's get to God first, and you'll be able to see how you have accountability in your life. You'll get to get to God first, and you'll be able to see there's a plan for your life and a plan to get these things straightened out. Let's not try to do God's work for him. Let's accept grace for what it is and move on. Is anybody with me? It's free unmerited. In other words, you don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. Guys, there's nothing within us that is deserving of the grace of God. In fact, everything within us is undeserving of the grace of God. Everything within us is deserving of death. You see, when you take God out of your life, when you take God out of the equation, when you take God out of your relationship spiritually, what you wind up with is a bunch of us which is incredibly imperfect, incredibly flawed, and just full of misunderstanding. And when God is absent, sin is present. And anywhere sin is, there is death. Everything within us equals death. Death of relationship, death of finances, death of joy, death of of, of our health, death spiritually, death mentally, death emotionally. Death comes in so many ways, and it's at our doorstep all the time if we leave grace on the table. We can't afford it, but we don't have to. We don't deserve it, but it's ours. And that is the might and the power of grace. The Bible says this, though you were yet sinners, Christ died. He died that death so that we don't have to die the others. Is everybody with me this morning? He died for you. He died for your relationship. It's weird to think, isn't it? It's weird to think it that way. All the different ways that death presents itself. Yeah, Christ died for that because that's where sin leads. Didn't die just for my physical death or my spiritual death. He died so I don't have to pay the price of sin in my relationships. He died so I don't have to pay the price of sin with my mental health. He died so I don't have to pay the price of sin in my finances and all the other areas of my life. He's already died that death and paid the price. We receive the grace. Going on in verse 10, it says this, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and everything on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out. According to his plan. Now let's stop right there because here's where a lot of us a lot of us get hung up here. Notice in verse 11, it does not say, For he chose us in advance, and everything happens according to his plan. No, it says, He makes everything work out according to his plan. Trust me, guys, there are things that happen that God never intended. And that doesn't take away from the majesty of God. No, we have free will, and that is the majesty of God. Okay? I'm a controlling person. As much as I don't want to be, just ask my kids. Right? No, you can't have more iPad time. No, you can't go out and play. Yes, you will eat that. Yes, you will go to bed. 
no, you're not sick. Get on the bus. <laughs> right? Uh-uh-uh-uh. You know? I'm glad that God trusts me more than I trust my kids. God has given us free will. He's not our, our nanny. Okay? And a lot of us, we, we, we get affected by other people's free will on our life, and then we blame God. You did this. How could you allow this? That's not how it works. There are tons of things in this world that are happening that are outside of God's plan. There are things in this world that make God angry. There are things in this world that make God sad and cry. There are things in this world that disgust God. But listen to me as promised in this verse. He makes everything work out according to his will. But again, let me tell you something. It stays there unless you pick it up. You've got to involve God if you want God involved. Does that make sense? It sounded really simple. Let me walk that back. You've got to involve God if you want God involved. I hope that rings in our head this morning. I hope that goes from ear to ear and back and back and back. Because so often in our daily lives, God is absent. God is ignored. God is around. God is he's on the picture. He's in the Bible, but those kind of stay where they are. And then we bring up God on Sundays so we can worship and listen to the word and then go back on in our life. And I know this sounds very, you know, this is what all pastors say, but I got to tell you from experience that it's true. I am horrible at keeping a steady devotional life. I'm horrible at keeping a steady prayer life. Probably the one thing that keeps me as steady as I am is I have to do what I'm doing. And if I'm not reading, if I'm not praying, if I'm not crying out to God saying, please don't let me look like an idiot, I'm going to look like an idiot. <laughs> but you see, you, you, you guys don't have that. You guys don't have to preach every Saturday and every Sunday. So you don't have that, that push to be in the Bible. Let me tell you something. You need that. You need that connection to God. You need that spiritual renewal and fulfillment from God and from His Spirit. Why? Because we need Him in our plan. We need Him on our side. And listen, life, as you all know, gets messed up. And if I want my life that is messed up to begin to work out for God's plan and for God's good, which is ultimately my good, then I've got to involve God in all of this. I can't just stand back and be like, Ooh. It's easy to follow Christ when times are good. We all know that. It's easy to raise our hands and sing fire fall down. When the paychecks are coming, you know, when the kids aren't being jerks, when relationship with the wife or with the husband is good, it's easy to, to come to church regularly. It's easy to, to, to feel good about God and all those things. But listen, everything in life, and please, please hear me, everything in this life is predestined to fail. Your car will fail. Right? We all know. Your money will fail you. Your health will fail you. The very body you're in is designed 
to fail you. The relationships. Why? Because you're in a relationship with someone very imperfect, and you're imperfect. So that relationship will fail you. Everything is designed to fail you. And that points us to the one thing that never, ever will. That points us directly to the one source that can take all of this failure and all of this decline and bring it to a place of salvation and bring it to a place of redemption, bring it to a place of renewal and joy and hope. That is the presence of God in your life and that is the experience that we get from accepting grace. Is everybody with me? Thank you. We need to stop, and stop asking how, how could God, blah, 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 and start expecting how will God, blah, blah, blah. No matter what your situation, I realize there's some tough issues this morning in the house. Don't find yourself on the side asking how could you, God. Allow yourself for a moment to explore the side, Lord, how will you? How will you fix this? How will you bring this around? Lord, open my heart and my eyes to what you need me to do and say, bring me to that place where all of this can be turned around and worked out for your good and ultimately mine. Is everybody with me? Moving on in verse 12. It says this, God's purpose was that we Jews, who were the first to trust in Christ, would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believe in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. And that he has purchased us to be his own people, and he did so that we would praise and glorify him. If nothing else, that should give you a reason to worship this morning. All God wants out of us is his worship. He gives and he gives and he forgives and he imparts grace and blessings. And he does this so that we will turn and recognize who he is. Amen? We move on to the next portion, 15. This is Paul's prayer uh, for spiritual wisdom over, over the, the church. He says this in verse 15. Ever since I first heard of your strong faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for God's people everywhere, I have not stopped thanking God for you. I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Listen, nobody wakes up in the morning miraculously oozing spiritual wisdom. Okay, I know it may sound like that through this scripture right here. That Christ, that God will grant you the spiritual wisdom. But listen, there, there, there's, there's, wisdom is something that takes time. Yeah? Everybody can, everybody can agree? Yes? Where's our more senior of citizens? Would you agree wisdom takes time? You can speak up. It's okay. <laughs> Amen sounded so tired. Are you okay? A little bit of, no.
Guys, there's an issue here that we need to look at. See, a lot of Christians miss um, salvation through, misunderstand salvation through grace, thinking that grace is the beginning and that it's the end all, but it's, it's not how it is. Grace is the beginning, yes, but it's not the end. It's not the end. God has extended and continues to extend this offer of grace so that we can accept it and move on. We can accept it and move on. Grace comes so that we don't have no condemnation. Grace comes so that we can feel the freedom to get up, pick ourselves up, and move on to something better, not looking back, having nothing holding us back. Grace doesn't come so we can get up, put things in neutral, and just coast in grace. There's a plan. There's a purpose. And I am all about grace Believe me, thank God, I would not be probably alive if it wasn't for the grace of God. But listen to me. If you're resting in the grace and that's all the further you go, you are missing out on what God has for you. Grace is the catalyst that gets us going. It's not the end all. Spiritual wisdom. Insight and growth in the knowledge of God. Guys, spiritual wisdom, it comes from being close to the Holy Spirit. Insight comes from being close to his word, and growth in the knowledge of God comes from practicing the different spiritual disciplines. None of these come from shifting into neutral after you receive grace. Everybody say grace. Grace. It's just the beginning. I like how you put the same emphasis on it. That was good. Say grace. Grace. It's just the beginning. beginning. Absolutely. Absolutely. Verse 18, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope that he has given to those he called. His holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Verse 19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. May I just ask, what's your spirit, animal? (laughs) Left field, right? What? (laughs) Saw someone the other day, like, had this picture of this, like, pathetic mouse on its back. It was so cute. My spirit animal. I asked the youth a little while ago, what's your spirit animal? They said the Norwal. Weird unicorn whale. Guys, once you accept God's grace into your life, this is going to sound weird, but Jesus Christ becomes your spirit animal. I know that's weird, but listen to me. When Jesus was here on earth in flesh, that man was a beast. Come on. Come on. Walking where people feared to walk. Talking to people who were feared to be talked to. Raising people from the dead. Healing the sick. Healing the blind. Making, making storms just cease. Making waters part. I mean, just, just, are you kidding me? This power that was in this man, this, this, this Jesus, this son of God. We see these things and we're like, wow, but that's Jesus. You know, Jesus can take bread and multiply it into thousands of pieces. But I'm telling you what, that same power lives inside of you. Jesus is your spirit animal. Come on, I don't want to settle for a Norwal. <laughs> Give me the son of God. 
Help me realize, open up our eyes, please God, open up our eyes that the same power that raised Christ from the dead, taking the keys of death and hell from hell and and seating him on the right hand of his father, that power is in us. That power is accessible by us. That power doesn't say, hey you, just sit down in your grace and also sit in your depression. Hey you, sit down in your grace and also sit in your failed relationship. Hey you, sit down in your grace and just take the smacks from life as they come because you're saved and you'll go to heaven it's more than that that is not God's plan it's the beginning it's the start it's putting you in gear but it's not pressing the accelerator God wants us to go somewhere God wants us to grow to learn to deepen to mature and affect the world around us that's what grace begins is everybody with me? Thank you. I'm going to end with this. Verse 21. Now he is far and above any ruler, any authority, above any power, leader, or anything else. Not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ, and he has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Lord. God, I pray that, 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 that Sunday mornings never just become story time. God, I pray that, that your word, that your truth, Lord, never just become that religious thing we do. And God, I pray that your sacrifice and your plan for our life never gets cheapened and ending on grace. Lord, that's the beginning. It's the foundation. It's where we begin. It's what we need to get that breath of fresh air. But God, you want more. Lord, you told the woman, go, sin no more. Lord, that is a message to us. Lord, your grace is free. Lord, your grace is unmerited, and it's on me, and it's on every person in this room. It's on every person in this planet. Lord, if we would just accept your grace and accept the truth, God, that you have more for us. Be forgiven and sin no more. God, call us close to who you are. Deepen us, Lord, in our knowledge and our spiritual wisdom of you. In your holy name, everyone said, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.